Hello, this is Jensen Franklin, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. Our goal is to provide you with biblically-based teachings that will challenge, inspire, and equip you to live for Jesus. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead and subscribe today to this podcast so you can get the latest updates from us and you don't ever have to miss a new message. Let's go right into the service recorded at Free Chapel. I believe it's going to bless you today. I want you to open your Bibles to the New Testament, to the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 12. I tell you, I heard Mark Rutland did so amazing last Sunday. I love that man. He is, he is, uh, he is so powerful and so much fun and so kind and so smart. He's a genius. He really is. And I love to be around him. I feel smarter after I've been around him because he is a, he is a tremendous gift to the body of Christ. Now, listen to this. Next Sunday, we have a dear friend and his wife who are coming, and his name is Craig Grishel. He pastors the largest church in America, hands down. And it, it has over 100,000 in all of his campuses every Sunday. And that's not an inflated number. I was honored, honored to serve on his board of directors and have done for years. And I've watched that ministry just explode and touch people all over the planet. But Craig is, and his wife Amy are two of the greatest Christians that I know. And I've been around and seen under the hood. And I'm just telling you, these people know how to talk and he'll be doing the preaching, but he's going to bring a message. He's powerful. He's funny. He's, and yet it'll be right where you live. It'll give you the building blocks for marriage, for family, for building and rebuilding relationships. And you don't want to miss it. And then the following Sunday, man, we're spoiled. I'll be here next Sunday with Craig. And then the next Sunday, Robert Morris from Dallas uh, Gateway Church uh, he's going to come and teach on marriage. And they, he and his wife are precious. And uh, I love to listen to him. He's one of my favorite preachers on the planet. If you've never heard him and listened to him, people ask me, who do you listen to? I just gave you two names of two of the people that I have listened to for years and years. And you won't beat them. And they're going to be right here in this pulpit, and right there in your campuses, preaching the gospel. You don't want to miss it. All right. I got 30 minutes and... I want to share with you today from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. I called my little granddaughter, Amelia, this week and FaceTimed her. And as I usually do, I said, get away from your mother so I can talk, really talk to you and tell me everything she's done wrong. And I'll straighten her out and your daddy too. And, and, uh, and so she went off and she looked in the phone and she said, gee, daddy, she said, you look like old father time. Amen. Just... Tore my confidence all to pieces. My self-esteem is destroyed. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God and his beloved. That's you and me. We don't see ourselves like that. But that's you and me. Therefore, as the elect of God and his beloved. Put on tender mercy and kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Listen to verse 13. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. If anyone has come 
If, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you're called to one body and be thankful. I love that verse in verse 15 and let the peace or, or, or back up to verse 14 and above all these things, here it is, put on love. I'm preaching today on put on the overcoat of love and then get over it. I love that verse, put on love. Clothe yourself in love, one translation says. Another translation says, forgive one another. Another translation says, make allowances for one another. Isn't that good? Make allowances. They're human. We're human. We're going to mess up. We're all going to fail. Make allowances. Don't be, don't be that person that nags. Make allowances for others' faults. Another translation said, put up with one another. That's a good way. Sometimes in families, we're just putting up with one another. But no matter what kind of situation you get in, what he's saying is put the overcoat of love over it and love your way out. Because it works. The most important piece of clothing that you can have is the overcoat of love. You say, but they've done me wrong. Put the overcoat of love over everything that has happened and you'll find your way out because trouble is inevitable, but misery is optional and you have to decide because trouble is going to come to every relationship and trouble is going to come to every family. And I'm, I'm preaching on that much of the trouble because that's really in the big picture of things, the joy that family gives, the blessing that marriage is, all of that is so much bigger and so much greater. And what you have to decide is trouble is inevitable, but misery is optional and hurt is a reality, but bitterness is a reaction. Put on the overcoat of love and get over it. Would you just tell the person beside you, put on the overcoat of love and get over it or be miserable the rest of your life. You cannot allow the injustices of life. You cannot allow the hurts and the wounds of life to drag around you the rest of your life. Well, I just want to be like Jesus, Pastor. Well, Jesus had a Judas. Jesus had a Gethsemane. Jesus had a crucifixion. And you must understand what I'm about to teach you right here. The hundredfold return harvest that Jesus promised comes only with persecution. The Bible said some would receive a hundredfold return. And it adds these little words with persecution. Jesus was God's seed sown into the earth. He died and they threw him into the ground, but he rose from the dead and he came out a hundredfold. He came out a hundredfold from the dead, but it was with persecution. I've never met anybody who has a hundredfold life that didn't have 
persecution. The bigger you build it, the more you do, expect it. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. You can't do anything worthwhile without having persecution. And when it comes, you don't quit. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, said, Father, forgive them. And he got over it. He put on the overcoat of love. And he said, I'm going to forgive them. Judas the betrayer came in the Garden of Gethsemane to turn him over to the torturers and a torturous death. And Jesus said something strange when he came to him. And Judas betrayed him with a kiss. And it was a secret code to the Roman soldiers pointing out he's the one. The one that I kiss is the one that you need to arrest and crucify. And Jesus knew it. He knew it when he washed his feet in the upper room the night before that he would betray him. He knew it when he was in the garden praying and he heard him and saw him coming and Jesus stood. And when he came and kissed him on the cheek, Jesus, the Bible said, kissed him and said, friend. Jesus called him friend. Sometimes when things happen that hurt you, you just have to kiss it and call it friend. Because you have to understand if it gets you closer to the ultimate fulfillment of the purpose of God for your life. Judas was the key to Jesus ending up on the cross. And he kissed it and called it friend. Sometimes painful, hurtful, ugly things come into our life. Just like Joseph, he said to his brothers who had hurt him, his own family so much, he said, I'm going to put on the coat of love. You strip my coat off, that coat of many colors, but I choose to put the coat, an overcoat of love on and you meant it for my evil, but I'm going to kiss you and call you friend. And he kissed them and wept over them. Because when you get to that place that you understand, you can just kiss it and call it friend because all things are working together for the good to them that are called according to his birth. Why would I get bitter? Why would I hate somebody? Why would I let them destroy every relationship in my life by being a bitter, mean, angry person? It's not worth it. Jesus, when he hung on that cross, showed us that you can do it. You can kiss it and call it friend. When they ate the Passover meal in Egypt, the night before they came out, it was served with bread and lamb, the Passover lamb and bread. But there was a side dish with the Passover meal, and it was called bitter herbs. If you follow the lamb long enough, sooner or later, you're going to get a side dish of bitter herbs. If you stay married long enough, it's sweet, it's wonderful, it's, light, it's fantastic, there's no greater life, but sooner or later, you'll be offered a side dish of bitter herbs. Sooner or later in a family, the enemy tries to come in and says, I have an order uh, DoorDash right here. Take it. It's bitter herbs and it's coming in your family. And at that moment, you have a decision to make. You can either let it chew on you or you can take the bitter herbs and mix it with the sweet lamb and ingest it and take it and say, it's not going to turn me bitter. It's going to turn me better. And by God's grace, all things are working together for the good. So I trust him. It's ultimately going to get me to my place of destiny and purpose, just like it did Jesus. 
Actually, it'll make you stronger. Actually, it'll make you greater. Have you ever been served the side dish of bitterness? When something happens in your family or in your life, then anger could get in your spirit, but you have to make a decision. And the remedy to it is to mix the bitter, bitter dish with the sweet lamb of God. Ephesians 4 put it this way, be angry and sin not. It's okay to get angry, but he said, don't let that anger get in your spirit. Don't let that anger turn you into somebody that, that destroys every relationship because you couldn't get over what somebody did to you, and it bleeds over into every other relationship. He said, be angry and sin not, and then he tells you how to do it. He says, here's how you do that. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, lest you give place to the devil. That word place there is foothold in the Greek, that, that literally when you get angry and you don't deal with it quickly, but you let it just get into your spirit and anger becomes part of how you feel all the time. It's part of, oh, you can't stand that person. What happens is the Bible said it's dangerous because it gives place to the devil. And the word place is foothold that literally you have just opened the door by not allowing that to come out of you. And the devil puts his foot in the door. And he says to every demon, go in and tear this house all to pieces because they will not forgive one another. We have our foot in the door. Come on in and do your work. Would you like to shut the door in the devil's face? Would you like to give him no jurisdiction, no topography over your family, over your home, or over your life? What happens is when you get angry and stay angry, you open the door and the devil puts his foot in. But the moment that you decide, I don't appreciate it, I don't agree with it, it doesn't mean you're agreeing with what somebody did that was wrong. But what it means is I am not going to allow it to get in my spirit. Be angry and sin not. Let it go. Oh, there went... <laughs> <laughs> that was my wedding band. Praise God. <laughs> and I don't mean let that go. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm having to use a substitute uh, little thing because I lost mine. Uh, and that's another story, but I've ordered another one. Amen. But I'm keeping the same wife. <laughs> and she's keeping me. But I lost it and I don't know where it went. Did y'all see it? I would like to find it if I can. Well, go get it. Be a help. Be a blessing. Thank you. That'll help me. They can edit all this out, but I need my wedding. <laughs> if I'm going to preach on marriage. Hallelujah. Amen. That's funny. Oh, that's funny. Go on and laugh. Preaching on marriage, and there goes the ring. Hallelujah. 
Have you ever heard of a man by the name of Ahithophel? You probably haven't. Let me tell you about him. He was in King David's administration, and he was one of his chief counselors. And he was there for 25 years serving the great King David. But it's interesting that when Absalom, David's son, by hostile takeover, ran David off of the throne and out of town and scurrying for his life, the first person to defect from David's administration instantly to join Absalom's team and administration was this guy named Ahithophel. Why? Because he was the grandfather of Bathsheba. And you remember when David walked out on the balcony and saw Bathsheba and lusted after her and sent for her and had relationship with her and got her pregnant and then to cover it up, killed her husband. All of that was watched by the grandfather in his inner circle. And that began to simmer inside of him in anger. And when Absalom launches his takeover coup, it was this man who was first to defect and join the team of Absalom. And he gave the advice. This is interesting to David. You know what you ought to do, David? You ought to take his wives out on the porch and you ought to abuse them in front of the whole city as an act of shaming King David. That advice came from Bathsheba's grandfather, and that's exactly what Absalom did. Why? Because for 25 years, he had been seething with anger and offense and hurt. And now you hurt my family. You killed my son-in-law. You hurt my children on that side that grew up. I'm without their daddy. And you did that to my granddaughter. Do to his family what he did to my family. But interestingly, a few chapters later, this same man, Ahithophel, who could not get over it, who would not put on the coat of love, and I know it was heavy, and I know it was hard. He falls on his own sword and commits suicide. Because when you decide to simmer in hate and bitterness and unforgiveness and offense, you are committing spiritual suicide. And it may not happen in a day or a month, but there's no way that you can continue to let something just simmer in you. For 25 years, it burned in him. When the serpent bit the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 19, he had a decision. It didn't just strike him. It chewed on him. It was chewing and releasing the poison. I know it was because the Bible said he had to shake it off of his arm just to get rid of it. And he shook it into the fire. The point is this. When somebody hurts you, have you ever had things chew on you? Two o'clock in the morning, you wake up and it's just chewing on you. 
I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they told that. I can't believe they lied. Like I can't believe it's just chewing on you. And you have to make a decision. Are you going to let it poison you? Are you going to let it destroy every relationship? Or you can get over it. You can put on the overcoat of love and you can make allowances for one another and say, well, God, you gave me grace and forgiveness, so I'm going to give them grace and forgiveness, but I'm not going to live in the bitterness of that situation. I never will forget Brother Tenney telling me one time when we were talking about a missionary and his movement and his denomination. And he said, this man is a legend. He's a godly old man of God. And he had established hundreds and hundreds of churches on the mission field. And he had faced almost everything you can imagine. And he was in uh, somewhere in Central America in the jungle, deep jungle. And they did not know English, of course, nor did they even know Spanish. They, they had their own dialect and everything in this particular area. And so he comes into this area, this, this veteran missionary, mighty man of God. And as he's preaching and building a church, the first church in that area uh, uh, and, and reaching that new people with the gospel, they brought to him a girl who was completely demon-possessed, a woman who was completely demon-possessed. It took three or four men to just control her. They said they literally put her in chains because she was so violent and so self-destructing to herself. And so when they brought her, he said, he, this man told Pastor Tenney and he, or Bishop Tenney, and he told me this story, and this is what he said. He said, the demons cried out in perfect English through that native woman. Don't teach the people to forgive. Don't teach the people to forgive. Isn't it something that out of all of the things demons fear, the one thing that they dreaded the most is if that preacher would stand up and tell the people, you must forgive your enemies. And if you will do it, you will break Satan's control and Satan's power off of your family, off of your marriage, off of your future. That's important. Off of your future when you release that forgiveness and that bitterness. Turn to somebody and say, we need to get over it. Out of all the things that demons fear, they fear perfect love Cast out all fear. Whenever forgiveness is there, Satan loses his control and loses his power. When Jesus hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. In that moment, Satan, the prince, the power of the air, he controlled creation. He cre controlled the atmosphere. He controlled all kinds of things. He's the prince, the power of the air. That's a Bible verse in the book of Ephesians. But in that moment, he lost all control. I can prove it. Because when Jesus said, forgive them, instantly the Bible said for three hours, the sun refused to shine. 
He wasn't over the sun anymore. And suddenly the ground began to shake. And suddenly death had to give up some dead folks. And the Bible said that they walked around Jerusalem. Dead people were raised from the dead when Jesus said, it is finished. And when he said, Father, forgive them, it released such power that even hell knew they were not in control. The devil knew, I have lost control and I have lost my power. I need somebody to shout right there. Satan couldn't control the air. He couldn't control the sun. He couldn't control the earth. He couldn't control hell. He couldn't control death. In the presence of forgiveness, do you want Satan to lose control of your home, of your family, of your, of, of your marriage? All you have to do is release forgiveness and Satan's foot gets removed and suddenly the door shuts on his face and his demons have to leave. And I don't know, you can't worry about whether they forgive you or not. All you can do is say, I forgive you and I'm gonna walk in love and I'm putting the overcoat of love on and it covers a multitude of sins and I'm not gonna talk about it anymore. It's done in Jesus' name. Somebody give God praise. Do you want Satan to lose control? Forgive. When you forgive, you defang the devil. When you forgive, you bleach the devil's red underwear white. When you, oh, come on. When you forgive, you take his horns and pull them down off his head like two mule ears and you tie a knot in his bow tail, bow knot in his tail, whatever, and kick him in the rear and say, get out of my family. Get out of their life. This is not a generational thing that's going to be passed down. We will not let anger in our house. We forgive. We love. We care. We keep on caring. We keep on loving. We keep on forgiving. Come on and shout amen. This is what family means. It doesn't mean everybody's perfect. It means I still love you. I still care about you. I still want you in my life. Hallelujah. How many of you have ever had things go wrong that you thought were going to go right and you know it wasn't right that the wrong decision was made and you have a right to be bitter. Well, there again, you got to trust the sovereignty of God and kiss it and call it friend. And in the book of Acts chapter one, there's a man by the two men by the name of Matthias and Barsagus. And here's what was taking place in Acts chapter 1. They were having a church vote on who would be the, the 12th apostle because Judas had hung himself. And according to the book of Revelation, when you get to heaven in the new Jerusalem, there are 12 foundations that that city is built upon, uh, 12 levels of the city, and each one is made of precious stone that I can't take the time to go into, but it says something interesting. And it says, and the name of the apostles, one name is on each foundation. So there's a, I'm going to level Matthew. I'm going to Luke. I'm going to honey. I'll see. I'm going to John. 
And, 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 and that's, how, that's how you'll know. And can you see the angel having to erase Judas's name? And he's got a chisel and a hammer. And they're having a vote in Acts chapter 1 on who will be the 12th apostle. And it's come down to two people, Barsagius and Matthias. And they voted and Matthias won. And boy, he had to be happy. Praise God. I'm one of the 12. Gee. But what about the other guy? <laughs> That's why you don't know his name, Barsages. You never heard of him. He could have got bitter, but he didn't. He didn't say, I'm going to split the church and go start a new movement. Because they didn't do me right. He didn't do that. I've, I've told you this before, but you never hear a, a, a 40 demons splitting off and starting a new hell. They stay together. Even when they don't agree, they stay together. But you know what? This man said, I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get mad. It's God's kingdom. I'm going to kiss it and call it friend. I'm disappointed. It didn't go the way that I thought it would. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm, I'm going to get over it. I'm going to put the overcoat of love and congratulate Matthias and cheer him on and wish him on. And, and I guess God will take care of me if I really trust him. I guess he will. And you know what? He got the right spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, how do you know he had the right spirit? Because the very next chapter, Acts chapter 2, said on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord, in one accord, in one place, in one accord means they were in perfect unity. And the Holy Ghost was poured out. And do you know what happened? The Bible said in the book of Acts that later on when the revival hit the Gentile church, do you know what the Bible said happened? The Bible said that they put this guy Barsabas over the Gentile church and gave him a power because his gift made room for him. So instead of being mad and bitter and upset at people and who overlooked you and who, why did they not choose me? Just let God give you the overcoat of love. Keep a sweet spirit. Take those bitter herbs and mix it with the sweet lamb and say, but I know that all things are working together for the good to them who are called according to his purpose. And he's got something better for me if I won't get bitter. I got one more point and I'm done. Can I, can I finish? Hallelujah. Praise God. Boy, what I'm preaching this morning, it can heal every home. It can heal every family. It can heal you right where you are. Things can change right here this morning. In Joshua chapter 10, there are five kings who Joshua has defeated, and they run to a cave, and they hide in the cave. And that's what, that's what happens when we get offended, and we get hurt, and we get a little bitter, and we get angry. We, we isolate ourselves. We cave in. We, we isolate ourselves. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm cutting them off. I don't want to be around ever again. Leave me alone. And I'm not saying there's some people, Jesus said, how many times Peter said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive these people? I like it. He wanted a mathematical equation. He said, give me a number. He said, can I let them have it? And Jesus said, okay, you want a mathematical 70 times seven. I don't have any tattoos except one. I've got one right here called 70 times seven. 
just when I want to be ugly and mean, every once in a while, my eyes will fall on 70 times 7. He said, a day. 70 times 7 is 490 times a day. A day. That's how many times you have to forgive. Jesus was saying, forgiveness, forgiveness is losing count. Forgiveness is when it doesn't matter anymore. I choose to love you and nothing you can do or say can make me not love you. I'm going to keep on loving you. I may not like your stuff and I may not be a part of it. And I probably won't do the, you know, help you with your little stuff. But, but I tell you what, you'll never do anything that can make me, if you've got a son or a daughter that is gay, don't you dare tell them that they can never speak to you again, never come around you again. Don't do that. That's not right. That's not right. Love never fails. You love them. You love them. You love them. You love, but, but, but pastor, God never called you to judge anybody. You are called to love them. You let God be the judge. You love people. If people have messed up, if your father was not there and he was an awful father and he, he, he left your mother and, and you and your siblings, I, I, I'm simply telling you, put the overcoat of love on and do the best you can with it. I know it's complicated. I know it's hard, but keep your heart open. Don't, don't keep them in a prison in your heart, but open up. The, that, that, because here's why. Because once they got in the cave, when they didn't get over it, quick, they had time to get in the cave, relax, get over it, pull yourself together, guys, and get out of here. But their enemy heard that they were in the cave and had been there a long time. And then he rode up and he told his soldiers, roll the stone in front of the cave. And suddenly it went from an isolation to a prison. Suddenly now you can't get out because you've given so much room to bitterness. You've had the, Satan's had the uh, uh, foot on, on, in the door so long that now it's become a prison and he can't get out because we can't get out. And then finally he came back and he killed them and threw their bodies in there and it became a grave. It went from a cave of isolation because that's what we do. I'm never going to speak to you again. And it goes from isolation to prison. Because when you forgive somebody, they may laugh at you. They may spit at you. They may cuss you. But you're releasing yourself. You're, 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 you're opening the prison door for yourself. It went from isolation to prison and from a cave to a grave. I'm so glad that Christianity has a leader, that they wounded him for our transgressions and bruised him for our iniquities. He was prosecuted. He was persecuted. He was tormented. He was beaten. He was slaughtered on a cross for something he did not do. And they threw him in a cave. They threw his body in the cave. But on the third day, he said, I am not staying in this cave of offense, this cave of anger, this cave of wrath. This, I, I'm, I'm coming out and I'm saying by my wounds, you are healed. I have the power to put on the overcoat of love and get over it. 
Get over it. Move forward. That's the will of God for every person listening to me today. I really want to say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, make sure you click on the subscription button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people when you comment, when you give us your feedback. For more messages and inspirational materials, download the Jensen Franklin app, or you can head over to jensenfranklin.org. I want to thank all of you who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.